Hi, my name is Grant Fishbook, and I am honored to be the lead teaching pastor here at Christ the King Church in Bellingham, Washington. Thank you so much for choosing to access this online content today. We really hope you'll enjoy this message. One of our values here at Christ the King is biblical face-to-face -face community. And so while we are so excited that you joined us today online, I really want to encourage you. Make sure that this is never a replacement for face-to-face -face biblical community. Your story matters, you matter, and we want to see you get connected in a local church. Now, if you're here in our area, we would love to have you join us at any one of our five campuses. But if you find yourself outside of the Bellingham area, we really want you to get connected into a local church. So we hope and pray that that happens for you very, very soon. If I haven't met you before, my name is Grant. I want to welcome everybody that's here in the worship center, welcoming those who are joining us online as well. This morning, two different people uh, came to me in the comments and said, I was here last night and I didn't like a single, single thing that you said. <laughs> but I came back because I knew I needed to hear it again. So... We're going to pray before we start today. <laughs> and while I'm doing that, you can put on your seatbelt and we'll go into this together. Lord, um, need your help every week, but maybe even a little more so today. Lord, would you protect our hearts from the lies of the enemy who love to come, who loves to come and shame us? Lord, would you help us to separate with wisdom, the difference between what we've done and what's been done to us. And God, more than anything, would you help us to hear you today? So God, if you need to completely hijack this conversation, that would be wonderful. And I, I would love it if you would. So Lord, may you help us all to learn truth today in Jesus' name. Amen. I get on an airplane and the first thing that happens is they start lecturing me about rules. Put on your seatbelt, stay in your own part of the cabin, you're not welcome up in the front with the important people, you need to stay behind the curtain where you belong. <laughs> Turn off your phone, sit down, observe the rules, that's what it is and there's something inside of me that hates rules because I actually think I know better. I get off the plane into a car and immediately I'm confronted with the fact that there are rules. You need to stay in this lane. Don't go in the diamond lane without another person in the car. Wear your seatbelt again. And there's something inside of me that absolutely hates that because I think I know better. And because God is funny at different times, he blesses those of us who think we know better with 16-year-old sons and daughters who take driver's ed classes and they think they know better. And then you have that moment where you're in your car and you roll through a right turn on a red and they say, Dad, you can't turn or just roll through a right turn on a red and something 
something inside of me hates that because I actually think I know better. So I Google to see if they're wrong and then I'm mad and they're mad and everything blows up inside of the car. And it all started all the way back in Genesis chapter three. We've been here before but we're coming back to it again. The Bible says, now the serpent was more crafty than any of the wild animals the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, did God really say you must not eat from any tree in the garden? And the snake whispers to us this morning, that's your God. He's just a giant rule maker. And there's just something about being told that I'm not allowed to eat something that makes me actually want to eat it even more because I'm a natural born rule breaker. It's a part of my identity. It's a part of yours too. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat fruit from the trees in the garden, but God did say, you must not eat fruit from the tree in the middle of the garden. You must not touch it or you will die. The snake's been whispering and now God talks for himself and says, there's a tree and it's in the middle of the garden and it's dangerous to you. So in order to protect you because I love you, I'm going to put rules and boundaries around it and you can have every other tree. Take your pick. Thousands of trees in the garden and there's something in us that goes, I know that all of them are available to me, but I want that tree. I want to eat from that tree because you said no. I want to say yes. And because you said no, I'm not sure I can trust a tree making God anymore. Here comes the twist. Verse four, you will not certainly die. The serpent said to the woman, for God knows that when you eat, from it, your eyes will be opened and you'll be like God, knowing good and evil. Quick question. Why do I need to be like God when I learned last week that I already am? I'm not God, let's be clear. But I'm like Him because He stamped the image of His Father, His Son, and His Holy Spirit on the, the deepest part of my soul. Here's the truth about me from Genesis 1 and 2. We're going to read it again, and I'm going to invite you to, to read it with me. And for those with OCD, please forgive the fact that we still haven't corrected the typo that's right in the middle of it. It's glorifying, not glorying. And so just get over it with me, okay? <laughs> Can we start reading it? I was created. Would you just say it out loud? And then we're going to pray, whether you believe it or not, that it makes an 18-inch drop from your brain into your heart. Let's go together. You ready? Here we go. I was created in the image of God uniquely and intentionally for the purpose of glorifying Jesus in everything I do. The fingerprints of God are on my soul. I wish Adam and Eve would have believed that. I mean, they knew it to be true up here, but it never made an 18-inch drop into their heart. And this is what happens, verse 6, when the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye and also desirable for gaining wisdom, she took some and she ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he ate it. And then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they realized they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. And we've been hiding ever since in exactly the same way because we have this twisted belief that if everybody knew the real me, I'd be out. If the people around me knew the real me, I would be out. If the people in my family knew the real me, I would be out. If the people in my row knew what I actually was and who I actually was, I would be out. So we cover up the pain with fake smiles and head nods, and we just hope that somebody else's tragic story doesn't become our own. And when we ask the question, how are you, we really hope that somebody lies to us because I can't handle my reality, much less add yours. So I run and I hide 
and I think God can't find me, and I create leaves for myself and pretend that the God who made trees can't see through my leaves. Verse 8, that the man and his wife heard the sound of the Lord God as he was walking in the garden in the cool of the day, and they hid from the Lord God among the trees of the garden. But the Lord called to them, to the man, where are you? Church, where are you? Where are you in, in the tension between your secret life and your real life? Where are you with your ability to image manage yourself so you can keep up with your neighbors and, and live to the level of status that you actually think you need in order to be happy? Where are you with failure and what do you do with it when you miss the market? Where are you with real pain and real hurt t- today, right now, honestly, just where, where are you? Verse 10, Adam answered, I heard you in the garden. I was afraid because I was naked, so I hid. And he said, who told you you were naked? Have you eaten from the tree that I commanded you not to eat from? And the man said, the woman you put here with me, she gave me some fruit from the tree and I ate it. Then the Lord God said to the woman, what's this you have done? The woman said, the serpent, he deceived me, I ate it. The great blame shift, boy, do we do that, don't we? Boy, my parents really screwed me up. Boy, if that person hadn't introduced me to meth, this would be a completely different story. Boy, if that idiot boss of mine had actually seen my potential and then given me what I deserve, my life would be perfect right now. All of them are there. Genesis chapter 3, the original lies. Why? Number one, you can be like God. Not sure why you would need to be because you already are. You're not God, but you're like God. The Bible actually says we were created in His image. The image of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are imprinted on your soul. The fingerprints of God are all over you. But there's something in us that says, but I need that tree. I want to break a rule or two. I don't want to admit that I actually need someone to rule over me. Because when I rule over myself, I end up in a bad way. Lie number two, God can't be trusted. So what's the alternative? Better trust myself. I better trust myself and I choose to believe that I can set my own rules. I get to define right and wrong. I get to pick my own moral compass. It just seems so unbelievably right to me, which then demands another lie that there's no consequences for choosing your own right or wrong. I wrote in my notes, don't even get me started on this one. (laughs) Let's do it anyway, all right? We've become so adept at making excuses for the leaves. It's as if we actually believe the God who made trees is buying our cover-up. It's like we stand before God and say, nothing going on here, I'm good. A little bit of nakedness, some wilting leaves, that's a little awkward, but I'm good, God. No, I'm good. There's no wounds here, no regret here, no shame here, God. I feel good about everything in my past, and, and you can just continue on your way. Just keep your eyes forward, and, 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 and you can take your guidelines and regulations. I'll take those under advisement, and you just stay up in the front seat and keep on driving. And, but here's the deal. I'm going to tell you where to drive and how fast to drive from the trunk. <laughs> last original lie. You can hide. And we all have, and we all try, and we all end up in the same broken spot, having a conversation with the snake, making deals with God, and wondering, where in the world did my original identity go? Something got stolen. 
from all of us. I don't like learning these lessons. I don't like weekends when I have to admit I am so not talking with you. I'm preaching at me. But I discovered something this past week. Satan steals my spiritual identity by two means. The first one lies about God. I've heard this my whole life. Maybe you've heard the same thing. God's a taker. God steals everything that you love the most. God's a killjoy. He's anti-sex. He's an angry God. He's an angry dad who just tolerates you. And God is tired of your failures. He's weary of your excuses. He's weary of your presence. And he really just wishes that you would just go away. All lies. But we've heard them. And they make sense to us at a certain level. Because I can't speak for you. But not only does the devil use lies about God, he uses the truth about me. And I got to admit some of that. I, I think I know this. I, I've actually wrote the devil a script that he reminds me over of over and over and over again. I haven't even graduated to him lying to me. He just tells the truth about me. Because here's my honest confession. I took my own route. I pushed away the things that I love the most. I chose temporal happiness over eternal joy. I defined my own sexual path. I actually believe I deserve God's anger. I'm tired of my failures. I chose to leave God's presence of my own volition. I walked away. That's all the truth. So what do I do? I cover up with wilting leaves. I wear my shame all over me. And I look at the ground and I kick rocks around. Forget lying to me, I handed the devil most of his material. Because at some point as a human being with a broken identity, we've all eaten from the same tree. Have you ever wondered why some of the labels that people stick on you actually stick? I can only speak for myself, it's because some of them have glue and the glue is true. I've done a lot of things I'm not proud of. And if we stopped right now in the message, <laughs> you would be like, really, Grant? Thank you very much for defining just how bad I actually am. Well, let's not stop then. In fact, let's learn a different way because today we need to start moving beyond declarations into decisions. And I think a decision needs to be made about what kind of a conversation you're going to have when you walk out of here today and the accuser of your soul meets you at the front door of the church and says, I want to remind you of just exactly who you are and what you did because this is the conversation you need to have. What the devil has to be told in that moment is that for every truth about me, there's a greater truth about me. There's a greater truth. You see, my failure in the story is not the end of the story when it comes to Jesus. My end is just his beginning, and there's a greater truth about me that gives me hope on this broken Sunday morning. That, that story started on a good Friday, which doesn't make sense to anybody. Why can you celebrate a good Friday when Jesus died on Friday? I can celebrate good Friday because Friday was not the end of the story. It was just the beginning. He was just getting stirred up. 
On that Friday, the God who made trees and leaves crafted out of a tree a cross for his own son to die on. And that God of the garden was writing out an epic piece of truth that this leaf-wearing, blame-shifting, sin-embracing failure needs to hear right now. I'm going to read it to you, and then I dare you not to say amen. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. God made him who had no sin to be sin for us so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Somebody help me out. That's the truth about me. I'm not what I did. I am who God says I am. I'm not defined by my failure. I'm God defined by Jesus's ultimate triumph. I am his. He is mine. I'm no longer what I've done. I know that I'm bad. Some of you are reacting right away. They're just like, I'm not bad. I'm a good person. In comparison to who? I'm always a good person compared to a serial killer. I can make myself feel really good about I'm a good person compared to that person. Wrong comparison. We don't compare down, we compare up. We compare ourselves against the perfection of the spotless lamb, Jesus Christ. And I hate to burst your bubble today, but if you think you measure up to Jesus, you're in denial and we have a class for you and you should take it because together we need to understand that greater is he. He must increase, we must decrease. We've got to see ourselves as we really are. In comparison to him, we all fall short of the glory of God. We're bad, but Jesus is good and his good is good enough good enough to cover. He loves us with an everlasting love that can't be defeated, and we are a chosen priesthood, dearly loved sons and daughters of God, and that is because we're not good kids. It's because we got a good, good father, and that's awesome to say and awesome to to sing until you get to the parking lot and that accusing voice starts up again. But I know what you did. And you can say that's the real you, but I know different. You're hopeless, you're stained, you're ruined. So go ahead, sing your little song and have your little moment, but we know better. We're all gonna encounter it at some point today. And in that moment, we need to have a conversation with the devil and say, that's the truth about me, but there's a greater truth about me. And you're a liar, and my Bible says, if I resist you, you have to leave. So off you go. In Jesus' name. How do we hold on to that greater truth? There's got to be a way to do that. Well, let's lay it out this way. In order to reclaim our true identity, we've got to choose between truth and lies. How do we do that? We've got to choose between living by faith and not by sight. Second Corinthians chapter 5. Therefore, we are always confident and know that as long as we are at home in the body, as long as we're here, we're away from the Lord. For we live by faith and not by sight. Today, declarations are important. Don't get me wrong. But we've got to move beyond declarations to a place of decision. And I believe understanding and embracing our full identity comes in choosing to live by faith and not by sight. Because I don't know about you, but what I can see more clearly than anything is my own personal failure. Where I have to train myself is how to live by faith in the fact that God sees me differently than I see myself. So let's make it practical. We're going to start with faith. 
Because that's where we want to live and it's hard and it's difficult. If it wasn't, everybody would be living a victorious Christian life. So let's just look at it this way. Okay, in the world of faith, this is what we have to do. We have to own what we've done and confess it. I'm not asking you to own something that someone did to you. I'm asking you to own those moments when you chose the wrong path and walked it. We need to own what we've done and confess it. We need to boldly own our bad decisions because we own the story that we wrote and we're not afraid to confess to each other and we willingly repent before God and we believe that God is actually loving in the same way that he put a boundary around the tree. We believe he's loving when he says these words in John chapter or in James chapter five. Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective God calls us to live transparent lives, to, to drop the leaves and to embrace the fact that God can see through everything. There's nothing he doesn't know about any of us today. We need to be okay in that awkward moment because if we don't live by faith and believe that we can own it and confess it, here's what happens when you live by sight. sight. You, you just end up blaming everybody else for where you're at today. Adam did it, that woman you gave me. Eve did it, that snake that you gave me. Grant Fishbook does it every single day. Boy, if it wasn't for this, 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 and this, I'd be good. Let's have an honest moment. Not that we haven't been honest up to this point, but you know what I mean, right? People will come to me and they'll say something like this. Grant, here's the deal. I came to Jesus because I had a porn problem. And he took away that hunger that, that drove me to my computer seeking false intimacy over and over and over again. And, 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 and so here's what you guys need to do. Because I've been gloriously delivered by Jesus. You guys need to come up with some kind of a program to help guys fix their porn addictions. And my response is, well, we have one. And it's filled with courageous guys. And you know what they need more than anything? They need a guy who's courageous enough to own his own story, walk into the room and say, let me tell you what Jesus did for me. And that's when the moment when they start swallowing and, and they start pulling back and they're just like, Nuh. no, I want everybody else to get fixed. I just don't want to have to be honest about my own struggle. Can I read scripture to you again, church? It says, confess your sin to each other, pray for each other so that they may be healed. Is that what your Bible says? That's not what my Bible says. My Bible says, confess your sin to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. That takes boldness. That takes courage. That, that takes a person who's living by faith who says, God said, if I own it and confess it, that God can actually take the mess that I've made and turn it into something beautiful. And I know it doesn't seem to make sense because I want to manage my image and I want to hide behind my leaves. But, but the God who made trees says, that's not how it works. Actually, I want honesty and transparency. That's what I want. And if you do it, if you're courageous enough to go there, if you're willing to stand in your own identity, you just watch. You just watch what Jesus will do in a room when God's people get honest and say, this is the real me. Yeah. Let's keep going. How do we live by faith? We live by faith when we daily remind ourselves of how God sees us. Can I give you a news flash today? Everyone in the room, I don't care what your story is. This one thing I know, when Jesus looks at you today, he says, now that one was worth picking. 
I chose you. Before the foundation of the world, I chose you. And you are not defined by what you did. You're defined by who I say you are. So stop living in the wreckage and the ruin and step into the future because that's the only place God is just willing. He steps up and just says, give me the past and let me do my work. Let me do my work. John 15, 16, you don't believe me? Jesus talking, you did not choose me. I chose you and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. I have to constantly remind myself, I'm not a product of everything that I did. I'm a product of the grace of Jesus today. And I have to constantly remind myself, not me, all him, not me, all him, not me, all him. If I don't constantly remind myself of that, in fact, here's the deal. Arlene showed, we've had these things for years, almost forgot about them. They're available at the connection point. Who I am in Christ. I keep this in my Bible because I don't know about you, but I buy the lie every day instead of the truth. So I got to remind myself. I got to sit here and actually go. I don't have my glasses on. Hold on. <laughs> Satan's lie. You're a sinner because you sin. God's truth, you're a saint, one declared righteous by God who sins sometimes. There's a difference. There's a difference. You may want to pick these, one of these up on, our way, on your way out today. When I live in faith, I daily remind myself of how God sees me. When I live by sight, I believe that we are what we've done, that I am what I did. And I have to be honest about that. I did it. It owns me. It's my burden to bear, to burden to bear. But I also have to be willing to be courageous enough to stand in the true identity that I have. And when the devil shows up every Monday morning to rob me of my spiritual identity, I have the authority standing on the firm foundation of Jesus' name to look the devil in the face and say, not today. You got me yesterday, but you don't get me today. I am who my father says that I am. My father says I have biblical authority in Jesus' name. My Bible says if I resist you, you have to leave. So off you go, you toothless mouse. You've got nothing on me, not because of anything I did, but because the grace of God has so wrapped itself around me. You don't own me anymore. Let's keep moving. When we live by faith, we have to accept a greater truth and live in that light. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9, makes me uncomfortable. It should. The Bible says, but you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of darkness and into his wonderful light. You're a crazy group of people. You just gave $75,000 to plant churches on the other side of the world with no other guarantee than what I told you about what we saw when the Johnsons and the Gustafsons and the Fishbooks went to the other side of the world. You people are nuts. You're crazy. You actually believe the Bible when it says that when you pour out generosity that you can't outgive God. I mean, what in the world is wrong with you guys? You're not making any financial sense whatsoever. <laughs> Unless you're living under Acts chapter 1 verse 8 that says, then you will be my witnesses. You crazy nut jobs. You actually believe he meant that. <laughs> And we live called out of darkness into his wonderful light. And it's not just who I am. That's arrogant. It's who God says I am. That's humble. And I allow God to write a new story 
on new pages and I remind myself every day, I'm not the author of that story. I'm just the pen. <laughs> if I don't live by faith in that way, you know what happens? I live by sight and I continue to hide from myself, others, and God. Some of you react against that. I'm not hiding from myself. Really, then why is it so hard for you to come clean? Why isn't there a line of people out the door saying, we're going to have a confession time today. We're going to hand the microphone around and everybody's going to take their turn. When was the last time you saw that done? You know why? It's because we're hiding from ourselves. I get it. I understand. I hide behind a lie all the time. How you doing, Grant? I'm fine. You sure? We're blind to the fact we're hiding from ourselves. We tell ourselves, I'm not hiding from myself. And we get even more offended when somebody says we're hiding from others. Really? <laughs> Do you actually believe that I think your Instagram is your real life? <laughs> really? Do you actually think that anyone believes that your stream on Facebook or Snapchat is your actual life? I think we all know different, but we hide behind the perfect pictures all the time. But here's the deal, guys. I know what it took to get to that perfect family moment when the fish books are all standing on the beach and we're all looking at each other and it's that perfect moment because the golden sun came out about 5.30 and, and we were just ready for dinner and, and we captured that moment and we posted it right away because we want everyone to believe, man, we are just so good all of the time. And, and the truth of the matter is and three minutes before we took that picture when somebody said smile three minutes before that, mom and dad weren't thinking divorce, they were thinking full-on murder. I mean, that what was going on in that particular moment and the kids were done taking pictures three hours ago and they had the attitude to prove it and the sun was going down and we're all sweaty and we got sand in places we can't even get to and it's hot and somebody goes smile and we're just like post that that's us <laughs> we're a bunch of bold-faced liars liar liar pants on fire I got a challenge for you. If you don't think you have a problem managing other people's images, try posting this this week. Came close to breaking commandment number seven this week in my own home. If you don't know that, it's thou shalt not kill. <laughs> We're really struggling. Could use some prayer. Try posting that and see how many likes you get. Come on, pastor. We all hide from others. We all hide from God. And unless we're willing to see ourselves in a different light, it will continue. Can I shed a little light on the truth? On my way in today, my first thought was, I need to get somebody else to preach. Because I know me. But I heard a whisper. No, no, no. You know you, but I chose you. I chose you. You're not a minister. Today you get to be my minister. You're not a part of something small. You're part of something big. Bigger than you ever imagined. So don't let Satan steal your identity today. Let's do one more. When we live in faith, 
we can say God sees me as I truly am and it's okay. It's okay. Psalm 139 should have made all of us squirm. I'll remind you of what Todd prayed. You've searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. You're familiar with all of my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, Lord, you know it completely. You hem me in behind and before. You lay your hand on me. And, and, and that's scary when you think God knows everything. Before I can even say it, God knows. And we think the only way he could respond is by putting his hand of judgment on our shoulder and squeezing really, really hard. And we don't even think about the fact that when God puts his hand on our shoulder, he's whispering, I'm a good, good father. And you're loved by me. Even when you choose to do wrong, you're loved by me. What's the opposite of living by faith in a good father? It's living by sight. And when we live by sight, here's the conclusion. God sees me as I truly am, and he's perpetually disappointed. Can you imagine actually saying and meaning the end of Psalm 139? If you didn't believe you have a good father in heaven, can you imagine even uttering these words? Search me, O God, know my heart, test me, know my anxious thoughts, see if there's any offensive way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. Can you imagine even being able to utter that if you don't believe that you are who God says you are? Not going to happen. So if you can't imagine it, don't. When we live by sight, we're completely blind to God's truth. And it's time for us to open our eyes. I didn't have a conclusion to this message yesterday until I went to the prayer room in the evening. By the way, we do a prayer time every Saturday night, five o'clock. We spend about 45 minutes upstairs and our prayer is simple. Jesus, please hijack church this weekend. It's awesome. <laughs> Didn't have a conclusion. And I thank God for Garrett Shelsta, our Ecclesia pastor, because he was sitting in the corner listening as we were praying along and all of a sudden he flipped open his Bible and he read something and I went, that's it. <laughs> Second Corinthians chapter three from the message. Whenever though they turn to face God as Moses did, God removes the veil and there they are face to face. They suddenly recognize that God is a living personal presence, not a piece of chiseled stone. And when God is personally present, a living spirit, that old constricting legislation is recognized as obsolete. We're free of it, all of us. Nothing between us and God, our faces shining with the brightness of His face. And so we are transfigured much like the Messiah, our lives gradually becoming brighter and more beautiful as God enters our lives and we become more and more like Him. So here's what we're going to do. I'm going to give you an opportunity not just to sing a final song, I'm going to give you an opportunity to turn face-to-face -face with God today. So I'm going to invite the band to come back and join me. We're not done. In fact, this might be the most important moment of the day because I'm actually going to stop talking. I'm going to stop interrupting Jesus and give you an opportunity to have a conversation with Him yourself. And I want you to know, whatever happened on Friday and Saturday, 
If you confess your sin, he's faithful and just and will forgive your sin and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. That's what this book says. I want to encourage you, don't stare at the ground. Don't wrap yourself in shame. Don't let the lie, Satan sell you a lie. Instead today, turn towards your good, good father. And let him speak truth over you today. Because while your past may be the truth about you, there's a greater truth about you today. And God says when we come face to face with him, we become a little bit more like him and a little bit more like him and a little bit more like him until the day when he translates us from this world to the next world and we get to actually be face to face. And my Bible says in that moment, his response was not really his response is, well done. Well done. Amen. You lived not by what you did, but by who I said you were. So we're going to sing a song together. Would you stand with me? Thanks again for watching. We're so glad that you joined us today. Once again, we hope you'll get involved in biblical face-to-face -face community wherever you happen to be today. If you'd like more information about Christ the King Community Church, if you'd like to give online, or if you'd like to submit a prayer request, or even get connected in a small group, you can find out more about us at ctk.church.